Uh, for the Packers, this has been a chance to reset as memorable and remarkable as that season was. I mean, the biggest one-year turnaround in franchise history. It ended with a you know pretty bitter you know taste in their mouth. And the Bears kind of revamped their whole offensive coaching staff. 2018 was a great season, 12 and four. Then they regressed pretty much across the board on offense. I know a lot of people point to the quarterback position, but it's a lot more than that. Rumor about them trading Matthew Stafford was 100% false. He included two exclamation points the first time. He said he'd add a third exclamation point if he, if he could. Hey, Vikings fans, this is Chris Corso with the Minnesota Vikings podcast, a special edition here. Um, we have team reporter Eric Smith who joins us and took it upon himself to go around at the NFL Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium last week and talk with all the members of the NFC North teams and reporters. So, Eric, it's good to have you on the show. We haven't had you in here in a little bit, so definitely this was an idea of yours and it sounds like you learned a lot about each of the Vikings' rivals heading into the 2020 season. Yeah, I did, Chris, and thanks for having me on the show. I think, you know, the Combine's always a fun event, you know, a week-long event. You know, it's, it's pretty much the center of the football world. Obviously, there's a lot of focus on your own team, the Vikings, but you want to kind of know what your division rivals are doing as well. And so for us, obviously, that's the Packers, Lions, and Bears. And I thought, you know, in the days leading up to the Combine, I'm like, well, let's chat with them and kind of see what they're up to. And I think they all had good stuff to say, and you know, I kind of get ready for free agency in the draft here in the next couple months. We'll get to that a little bit later. We have clips from all of the NFC North reporters, the team reporters, so you're getting it straight from the source. But first, with all the things going on at the Combine, whether it's the meetings with agents for teams, the meetings with these prospects, and then just the on-field drills, which seem to be like the least important thing at this point, um, because the, the NFL Combine is really like the first off-season event heading into the new season for all these teams. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a chance for these draft prospects to kind of meet teams for the first time and kind of get their, the first step of, a, of, a, of the draft interview, you know, a job interview essentially for these players. And, yeah, you know, it's a long week. It's a fun week. Uh, I think from a Vikings perspective, there are a couple big storylines that came out of it. Uh, the first one was uh, G- Viking general manager Rick Spielman. You know, he said he's like, you know, we're going to have to probably make some tough roster moves here in the next couple of weeks. And he said that the onus falls on him. You know, I mean, he said that he's the final decision maker on, on those calls and he understands the pressure that goes with that. And so he knows that's something that's on the horizon. For Mike Zimmer, you know, head coach Mike Zimmer, he talked at the podium. And I think the biggest takeaway from him is that he hopes and expects that Everson Griffin is back here in 2020. Um, you know, that kind of remains to be seen. Kind of kind of the defense in general is a big question mark at this point, but we'll see how that kind of plays out over the next few weeks. There will be a lot of big decisions for the Vikings with all of these free agents that they have heading into free agency in a couple of weeks on uh, March 18th is the day that that begins. We, we noted that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman speak to the media at the beginning of the week. I think my biggest takeaway from, from Rick's presser was the the comment on Stefan Diggs and that's been a rumor this year not from the team the Minnesota Vikings but outside sources that Stefan Diggs could be traded this offseason Rick put an end to that it seemed like he did he did and I think that was good good to hear as team employees you know I don't think we we dive into that speculation and stuff as much as outside people do you know it's a dead time of year people just love to kind of come up with stuff and and yep. have something to talk about at this time of year. But, yeah, it was good to hear Rick say that. Um, you know, and if, if you're the Vikings, why wouldn't you want Stefan on your team? I mean, he's, he's a playmaker. 
The other thing from Mike Zimmer's press conference that I took away was he talked a lot about the scheme and Dom Capers and what the traditional 3-4 idea guy um, Dom Capers is and what he brings to this team. So it seems like Mike Zimmer's always trying to make these like adjustments and changes. He's not like sticking with the same old uh, Mike Zimmer defense, double-A gap blitz. It seems like he's always looking for new new ideas. And I love how he called him an idea guy. I think that's just a great term for a guy who's been around for so long. Yeah, he is. He is. And, you know, I'm not sure the Vikings are going to go to a 3-4 defense. I don't think it, it's that extreme. But if you can throw some different wrinkles in that – teams and opposing offenses haven't seen over the last six years, then, that, then that's only going to benefit you. You know, one thing with, with them and this defense is, you know, they've been around for six years now, and they've been good for six years, but teams kind of know, know their system and know their personnel. And so if you can always find ways to evolve, similar like we did against New Orleans in the playoff game when you had Everson and Daniil. In the middle. In the middle, right, line yep. up as interior, you know, pass rushers, and that worked to perfection. Just small wrinkles like that. If you can figure out a few of those every year to throw teams off, then it'll probably lead to another good year for the defense. So those are some good Vikings takeaways uh, from the the press conferences at the beginning of the week. But you went and did a little digging on some stories throughout the week, which I really liked um, the coverage on Vikings.com this year from a written perspective because there were so many connections um, to our Minnesota Vikings. So can you talk about some of those little storylines that you found, whether it's Thaddeus Moss out of LSU, the son of Randy Moss, or Trevon Diggs, who's um, the brother of Stephon Diggs out of Alabama? It, it was crazy how many Vikings ties there were at this year's combine. Yeah, I was joking with uh, some people there at each day, I feel like it was, you know, Vikings family and, and, and friend day because there were just so many connections and not a lot of teams had that. You know, I talked to some people with the Packers and Bears and, and they, they just didn't have many connections that way. So we were fortunate, you know, to have those connections. And I think we took advantage of that because that's interesting stuff. And you, you don't know that, you know, Thaddeus Moss or Trevon Diggs are going to end up here in Minnesota. So why not cover them at the Combine when kind of the spotlight's on them? So, yeah, you know, we talked to Thaddeus Moss. He's obviously the LSU tight end and the son of Randy. And he, you know, talked about how Randy's given him a lot of great advice as he kind of go through this process. With uh, Trayvon Diggs, you know, he uh, it was more a little personal, you know, because Stephon has uh, been he, – he, Stephon is Trayvon's brother. But Trayvon said that he's almost been like a father figure. You know, we all know that, you know, their their father passed away. And it was really touching to hear Trayvon talk about that, how uh, Stephon stepped up in his father's absence and, and really helped carry the family. Um, there was also Antoine Winfield Jr., who I'm sure local fans know. He played for the Gophers. Um, he impressed me a lot, you know, just with his personality. He, he was really good in on-the-field drills. Obviously, fans know his dad, Antoine Winfield, the Pro Bowl cornerback here. Uh, Jake Reed's son, J.R. Reed, is a, is a safety out of Georgia. So there were a lot of, you know, Vikings family connections. But I think for me, probably the most fun story to write at the Combine was for, of Ben Bart, who is an offensive tackle from St. John's here in Minnesota. It's a D3 school. Uh, it's about 80 miles outside of Minneapolis. And he was almost like the talk of the Combine on one of the mornings for this magic shake that he Yeah, created. wasn't there like a Darren Ravel tweet or an NFL Network yeah. segment? I feel like it was just covered. It, it, you don't see that very often out of St. John's here in Minnesota. No, no, it's good pub for that school. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, good for them. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just so interesting. So, you know, for, for the listeners who don't know, you know, Ben Bart went to St. John's as a tight end, played tight end the first two seasons, and then they 
talked to him about switching to offensive tackle. Well, he was 250 pounds in the summer of 2018 and needed to gain weight to go from tight end to tackle. And so he was like a, a, like a fitness coach uh, at a local high school for teenagers. So he had to get up early in the summer at like 5 a.m. And he didn't have a lot of time to make breakfast. So he came up with this, I'm not going to call it good, but he came up with this concoction of a shake. And here, here are the ingredients. It's seven scrambled eggs, cottage cheese, grits, peanut butter, banana, and Gatorade. All in like a blender, and then he mixed it up. Does that taste it. good? I don't know about that. No, <laughs> it's no. like a weird mix. I mean, cottage cheese, peanut butter, Gatorade with the Gatorade. What flavor Gatorade is it? He didn't. He didn't expand on that. I don't <laughs> think it matters. Well, it was red. Producer Jay Nelson says it, uh, it was punch. red fruit punch Gatorade, which is a great touch for those fans who want to hear how to get uh, bulked up in the off season. I can't imagine that it tasted great, and it probably didn't because Ben said he's like, you know, there were some mornings I just had to plug my nose and drink it, you know, because he needed to put on that mass and, and gain that weight. I'm not sure I'm going to make that. I don't need to bulk up like he does, but – on Wednesday morning, I think it was, at the Combine, that was like the story, and, and everyone loved it. Yeah, that is a definitely a unique story. We've heard the stories of John Randall, undrafted, wrapping uh, metal chains around himself under his T-shirt to, to weigh in and, and be able to make that Vikings. That's the legendary story back in the day. I've never heard a story about a fruit punch uh Peanut butter, peanut butter, whatever the heck. You put a cottage cheese. Well, that's a, a heck of a blend that Ben Barch had. But I guess whatever works for you when you're trying to make the uh, – you're trying to impress these NFL teams. Um, yeah, we, those are a lot of storylines for the Vikings. It was definitely a fun uh, combine to cover. Um, ben Lieber was able to talk to, like, pretty much every expert around um, – that has any input on the Vikings. What are some of the takeaways you had? You were there and you watched and you, and you were around that. Um, what are some of your takeaways about the draft? The Vikings have the 25th pick in the NFL draft. You got all the, this is mock draft season, mock draft speculation. You put together um, the mock madness articles for uh, Vikings.com. So um, what are your takeaways from the Vikings kind of thought process heading into the NFL draft? Yeah, I think it's honestly still kind of up in the air. You know, we're still a little less than two months away from the draft. I think whatever happens in free agency will impact what we do in the draft. Obviously, everyone knows we have a lot of defensive backs who are scheduled to be free agents. And if we can't keep most or any of those guys, then perhaps, you know, we, we focus on the defense in, in the draft in the first round at 25 overall. If we do keep them, then maybe we go on the offensive side of the ball and we help improve the offensive line. Coach Zimmer and Rick Spielman have mentioned numerous times this offseason that improving the offensive line is still a priority. You know, they were better last year, but if they can improve even more and help help out Kirk Cousins even more in 2020, then that's probably the goal. Absolutely, yeah. The Vikings have two uh, anchors on that offensive line, young anchors, and Brian O'Neill at the tackle position and then center Garrett Bradbury last year's first-round pick. Um, we're going to get into the purpose of this episode now, and that's the NFC North recap. Um, obviously, the Green Bay Packers were the champions of the NFC North last season, Chicago Bears the season before. So it's been a few years since the Vikings were actually the kings of the NFC North. It doesn't really feel like that, but um, looking back and stepping back, that that is the fact and the, and the case. So there's a lot of parity, I feel like, in the NFC North year to year, not just like every like it's year to year it's so it could be so different for a team like the Chicago Bears 
who were 12 and four two years ago and then finish a 500 subpar season um, the next year. But we're going to start with the Green Bay Packers because they were at the top, um, finished the season 12 and four, lost in the NFC Championship. Um, to the San Francisco 49ers. So um, you got the chance to speak with team reporter uh, Wes Hodkowitz um, at the Combine. So what's your biggest takeaway from that uh, interview down in Indianapolis? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from my chat with Wes was that, you know, while the Packers are certainly happy that they won the North in 2019 and, you know, went 13-3, and they've already kind of turned the page to 2020, and I think you have to do that. You can't rest on your laurels. And, you know, they they – didn't have a great end of the season obviously they got kind of blown out by the Niners and we I joked with Wes that you know we kind of share that distinction of having our season ended by the Niners but yeah the biggest takeaway from my talk with him was that they're just ready to move on and and they think they can get even better in 2020 and that was a lot of what we talked about early on very very successful first season for Matt LaFleur so I think that was the first topic you touched on so let's go straight to that interview that you had with Wes Thanks for joining us here. Uh, you know, it's obviously Combine Week. You know, it's a busy week for all of us. Um, I guess, how, how have the last couple of days been for you here in Indy? Yeah, hectic. I mean, it's one of these things where uh, you kind of sit down, and by the time it's over, it's like, wow, a lot, quite a bit happened here, you know? And it's sort of the epicenter for the NFL and, and seeing, you know, just the number of people that come around and, you know, personnel executives, scouts, prospects. Uh, you, you get them all basically within a, what, five, six-block radius. It's pretty incredible. So uh, for the Packers, this has been a chance to reset and sort of push things forward. I mean, as, as memorable and remarkable as that season was, I mean, the, the biggest one-year turnaround in franchise history, it ended with a you know pretty bitter you know taste in their mouth after that loss against the 49ers. And the big theme that Matt Lafleur and also Brian Gutekunst have been pushing is it's not about just trying to find a way to beat the 49ers. It's about making the 2020 team better, and obviously that's what they're out here to do. Uh, Lafleur, you know, he was he had a good first season. Obviously, you know, his first season to have a head coach in Green Bay. Um, you know, how much different is this combine experience for him now compared to last year? You know, I think the phrase he mentioned in his podium session the other day was he was kind of in scramble mode. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was just it wasn't even the scramble mode. I just think it was him getting settled uh, with with the overall responsibilities of the job. Right. I mean, you go from a coordinator, you can talk to any first time head coach where you're talking once a week you know obviously you have different duties and different responsibilities you're more specific in one area uh for Lafleur, that that first combine it was sort of the uh culmination of like eight weeks of just whirlwind right after he had gotten hired and this year you can just tell you know is his poise at the at the podium uh you know, there's so many positives to build off of right now and, and how they want to, you know, kind of spin this thing forward now. So, yeah, the scramble mode is over. A lot of this is review because, as he said, it wasn't even necessarily just becoming a head coach. It was the fact that this is the first time that he's actually had a chance to go into the second year somewhere in four seasons. You know, he, he climbed the ladder so quickly from an Atlanta quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator in L.A. to the play caller in Nashville that here he is now you know having all of those parts come together so I just think you're seeing a guy that's very comfortable in his own skin and, and obviously very excited about what's to come here now for a Packers team that is infinitely more talented than 12 months ago at this time. Yeah coach Zimmer actually mentioned that at his podium session the other day just uh, the nature of the coaching turnover you know and how it's rare for people to be in one place for too long uh, but you know he had a, he had a great first season you know 13 and 3 you guys won the NFC North you make it to the NFC title game. 
you know, we both kind of share the distinction, Vikings and Packers, of having our season ended by the 49ers. We can, we can bond over that. Um, but, I mean, how, how do you uh, – what's the vibe around the organization of, of taking that next step, you know, and, and, and competing for a Super Bowl here? Well, I think it's, it's really energized. And, you know, you go back, and I wrote one of our stories on Packers.com about this. Last year when the Packers came to Indianapolis, they knew they had those two first-round picks, the one they had gotten from New, New Orleans. They had some cap space, but they had a whole lot of questions. They needed to reinvent the defense. They needed to be able to, you know, get a new direction offensively. They just needed, you know, a new, you know, spice to this whole thing. And it happened. And they didn't just go out and sign really established high-priced veterans that maybe have played their best football already. They purposely went out and found guys from specifically that 2015 draft who all they felt had their best years ahead of them. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, you know, and, and you know Adrian Amos, who we're both very familiar with with his time with the Chicago Bears. So uh, the defensive culture changed, and I just think that that locker room vibe is so much different. It's it's so much tighter. Uh, it's it's more unified. And I thought when you look at the Packers, there's very few things that tangibly you can really point to as okay. Well, they're just so much better in this area. But it's all across the board, and I think that's the starting point. And offensively, they got Aaron Jones going. For so many years, it was always, okay, get the ball to Aaron Jones. They did that this year. He ended up having, along with Jamal Williams, you know, 25 touchdowns during the regular season, 2,200 yards of total offense. Those two guys both became legitimate playmakers in LaFleur's offense. I think we joked uh, at the end of the year that week week sixteen game before the game, you know, I was like, you know, tell me about Aaron Jones, you know, and, instead of Aaron Rodgers, obviously, who's you know been the face of the franchise for so long. Uh, l- let's go back to that defense for a minute. You mentioned uh, the Smith duo of Zadarius and Preston. You know, what, just, you know, it seemed like they just changed the culture almost immediately. At least that's kind of what it felt like on the outside. Yeah, and I, I'm sure it's very similarly. You know, when you look at like Linville Joseph when he came into Minnesota, you know, he had a lot of pelts on the wall already, but you know, he was in a new location and, and was a bona fide player. I think these two guys you see what they did specifically Preston I mean he's played in 64 consecutive games started 64 consecutive games I mean he has been just such a a amazing talent for so long and Zadarius Smith became not only one of the best free agent signings in the NFL last year he became one of the best defensive players and the way I keep comparing it Eric is you know Julius Peppers, when he came to Green Bay, they were able to play him inside and outside. Clay Matthews, at the peak of his powers, they could line him up anywhere, on the ball, off the ball. Zadarius Smith gives you all of that, in addition to the fact that he became a team captain right off the bat. And I just think that defensively, so many things needed to change for Green Bay last year, and they're still not perfect. There are many areas where they still need to improve, but just the overall vibe around them right now going into the third year with Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator and the Smiths being sort of the cornerstone of that, it's just so much more positive. And I think that's one of the reasons why this future right now for the Packers is so bright. You mentioned room for improvement. I think that's kind of the focus of, of every team here in Indianapolis at the Combine. You know, it's kind of the first big off-season event you know, you have free agency starting here in a couple of weeks, and the draft is obviously in, in late April. So I think everyone kind of takes a step back to kind of assess their roster and where they're at and kind of maybe peek ahead to the future. If, if you were to do that with the Packers here, you know, look ahead to free agency in the draft, where are some positions of need maybe that they're going to look to explore here in the next couple months? It starts at right tackle. Uh, Brian Balaga, for my money, is the best pass-blocking right tackle in the game right now, and he's still doing it at a really high level 10 years into his NFL career. 
but the Packers don't have like a hand-picked hair parent at the right tackle position. Jared Valdir came out of retirement last year to play that swing tackle role for them during the final month of the season. So is Balaga back? And if he isn't, how do you fill that spot? That's going to be a big question the Packers have to answer. But I know for a fact, I mean, they want him back, but... You know, there's only so many dollars and there's only so many opportunities. So we'll see how that shuffles out. Same thing with Blake Martinez on the defensive side of the ball. He's been the signal caller there. He's been the communicator for the last three seasons and has been so consistent on so many levels. But again, coming up for a contract here, what is the free agent process going to dictate? And beyond that, because you can't re-sign everybody, seeing where those dominoes fall I think are going to directly tie into. You don't draft for need. But I think they're going to have a lot to do with how we see the NFL kind of the draft process play out because um, Packers do have 10 picks, you know, and, and I think they have a lot of opportunities there to, to fill areas that aren't necessarily weaknesses. But you also have to figure out what those spots are going to look like depending on how we get through those first couple weeks of March. Uh, the Packers have the 30th overall pick in the first round. Uh, we were kind of joking, you know, the Vikings and Packers are almost kind of similar in that way. When when you look at mock drafts, you know, it's kind of all over the board sometimes. You just don't know, you know, what direction they're going to go just because you don't know how the board's going to fall and how the draft is going to play out. Do you have any insight of maybe at 30 what, what direction they could go? Well, there's so much talent, and, and I think this is a really deep draft. Uh, I know a lot of times people say that, but I just – the way I keep seeing that board fall right now when you look at mock drafts, there's a lot of enticing prospects, good prospects, high-end prospects that could be there in the 20s uh, because as we've seen Brian Gutekunst is not afraid to move around. He's done it the last two years in the first round and then obviously depending on what falls at 30. Your your ability to identify those type of immediate playmakers, it kind of dissipates a little bit as you go through those those first 20 picks. But Kenny Clark was found at, you know, in 26 or whatever it was. I mean, they found guys that can, you know, become big playmakers for them. But how do you identify that position? I think receiver is one that it's an incredibly deep draft class this year. I think the Packers do have, I think that there's room to add a guy into that equation to maybe lessen some of that burden on Devontae Adams. Last year, the tight end position was really deep, and I felt all along that at some point the Packers were going to dip into that, and I view the receiver position in a very similar light this year. Whether it's the first round or not, I don't know, but I think there is an opportunity there. Defensive line, the Packers have drafted a defensive lineman in each of the last 24 drafts at some point, so you could go that direction again if you want to add some guys to the rotation, or again, depending on what happens with Balaga and Martinez, and maybe even if those guys are back, do you try to find an inside linebacker, do you try to find a tackle, some guys? that you can develop behind we're talking with the you know with Wes here about the Packers and I feel like you can't talk about them without obviously mentioning Aaron Rodgers you know like I said earlier he's been the face of the franchise for so long what do you kind of think you know the future holds for him you know he's kind of getting up there a little bit maybe peeking ahead for a couple years what sort of um the the layout with Rodgers going forward well he's as motivated as ever to win another Super Bowl uh that's something that I think especially when you know how 2014 played out for this team and and how close they came and just how that was kind of ripped from their grasp I think that's something that's always kind of stayed with them uh and and they want they have that hunger that desire to get back and the thing that Rogers said over any comment from the 2019 season that stays with me the most was after the year was over. In his final news conference after the loss at San Francisco, he said, this year football became fun again. And it was the the leadership in that locker room, you know, not even just the Smiths, the, the Mercedes Lewises of the world, some of these veterans that the Packers have added from the outside and brought in and kind of given them a different flavor. That resulted in a very tight-knit team in a team that I think uh, you know they legitimately cared about each other and, and having success. 
Rodgers individually, I see him as being able to really take another step this next year. One of the other things Matt LaFleur talked about right away after the season is they want to get back to some of the no-huddle stuff again. They want to be able to get a little bit more tempo. Some of the things that they did really well in the past with Rodgers that maybe they got away from. They're going to try to shorten up some of the verbiage with the offense to make it a little bit more hospitable to the younger players. Um, you know, Rodgers was wearing one of those wristbands this year with plays on. I never had seen that before, and I think they want to try to not necessarily just reinvent the offense. I just think they just want to add another dimension to it so Rodgers wants to play a long time he wants to play at a high level and with everything he does in the offseason I think he's able to really invest into that and you know still has that hunger to become you know another Super Bowl champion. Wes it's always great chatting with you even if you wear those green and gold colors we appreciate your time. Yeah thanks man I appreciate it. Well, thanks to Wes, a rival of the Minnesota Vikings, but always takes the time to uh, to sit down and talk with us and give us the inside scoop. I, I really enjoyed what he said about Matt LaFleur, like I said before, and then Zadarius Smith, who just came out of nowhere. You don't realize that he was one of like the top free agent signings of, of the previous offseason. Yeah, he was. Him and Preston Smith, that kind of that Smith duo that really turned around their defense. You know, the Packers had kind of struggled on defense here and there the last couple of years. But I mean, they they showed it against us, and they're you know they're two wins over the Vikings this year. That yeah, the defense kind of shut down our offense. Going to the next team on the NFC North totem pole, it's the Chicago Bears, and they are a very interesting team. Um, as we noted before, they had such a successful season two years ago, um, just ending that season dreadfully with that missed field goal. Um, but a lot of people pegged them as Super Bowl contenders heading into the previous season. They have a lot of question marks heading into. 2020, including a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, who's the only quarterback under contract. So, And, of course, Matt Nagy, who had a very successful start um, to his head coaching career there with the, with the Bears, but hasn't been as successful since. So what was your biggest takeaway from Larry Mayer of the Chicago Bears? Yeah, I chatted with Larry. I like Larry a lot. He's, he's been there a while. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, you know, the main takeaway, I think, from our, our talk was that, you know, there's a lot of focus on the offense, both with personnel and with coaches. You know, they've kind of revamped their offensive coaching staff in the last month or two after their season ended. Uh, they hired John Filippo, a former Vikings offensive coordinator. He's now the quarterback coach. They've kind of shuffled some guys around, promoted some other guys. And, yeah, there's a lot of focus on the quarterback. You know, the quarterback takes a lot of heat, you know, kind of much like ours does here in, in Minnesota. But, yeah, I mean, it's um, – they, they have to be better on offense, and I think everyone with the Bears will tell you that. Their defense is no good, but if their offense can take it up another level or two, then, they, then they'll probably get back to that 2018 form when they won the division. Let's hear what Larry had to say from Indianapolis. For Bears head coach Matt Nagy, what, what was your main takeaway from his podium session? Well, the most interesting development so far this offseason has been the Bears have kind of revamped their whole offensive coaching stuff. 2018 was a great season, 12-4. and four. His first year kind of caught a lot of people off guard. Then they regressed pretty much across the board on offense. I know a lot of people point to the quarterback position, but it's a lot more than that. So Coach Nagy spoke today for the first time since he hired four new assistant coaches. It was interesting just to talk about how he feels a little bit rejuvenated and how he's going to lean on these guys to kind of work together and collaborate was the big word that they were using about getting the offense fixed and back on track. And I think one of those hires is uh, the Viking tie, right? That John DeFilippo? Yes, John DeFilippo is coming in. He's going to be the quarterback's coach. I know I believe 
believe he was the offensive coordinator with you guys and also in Jacksonville. And um, John Filippo, interestingly enough, I believe played quarterback against Matt Nagy in college, so they go back a long way. And I know that he's had some success, uh, a lot of success in the league with quarterbacks. And they had no problems with Dave Ragone, who's been the quarterback's coach ever since Mitchell Trubisky arrived. In fact, he was one of the holdovers from John Fox's staff, but they've promoted him to pass game coordinator. So they're all going to be working together. And I think uh, they wanted to get some maybe different eyes and different voices in that room. How about for Bear general manager, Ryan Pace? What was your biggest takeaway from, from him meeting with the media? Um, pretty much the same thing. You know, they're determined to find out what went wrong on offense and fix it. Um, they're confident that they have enough capital going into the offseason in terms of probably having eight draft picks if they get a compensatory one like they expect. They don't have a ton of salary cap space, like Ryan said, but they have enough to make the necessary changes. He likes rewarding his own players that do well. They did that already this offseason when they re-signed safety Eddie Jackson, a two-time Pro Bowler, to a four-year extension. And uh, defensively, they had a lot of injuries last year. And in 2018, was something like I've never seen before in terms of how healthy the team stayed. So hopefully they can revert to that a little bit and the team will be better. But like I said, kind of the message was just bouncing back, rebounding, and they feel confident they'll be able to do that you mentioned uh Mitchell Trubisky you know kind of maybe similar to Kirk Cousins a little bit he gets a lot of heat you know and and I guess maybe that just comes with being the quarterback and you know in the kind of the face of the franchise what's sort of the the organization's view on on him heading into 2020 well the interesting thing is he's the only quarterback under contract for 2020 right now so the Bears are going to have to go out and get a second stringer and possibly a third stringer depending on how many they want to keep on their roster but they're confident that he's shown the signs of being a successful quarterback they've won games with him they've won the division with him in 2018 he went 12 and 4 yes he needs to play better he knows that the team knows that and they're that's why a big reason that they hired all these different assistant coaches hopefully his development will continue this year and he'll improve the biggest question in the offseason and every what everybody wants to know and we, we won't know until a couple weeks from now is what they're going to do at the second quarterback position is it going to be a guy that's going to come in and compete for the job is it just going to be a guy that's a second string type of player um it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they're like every other team they they keep their plans very close to the vest so and it's just kind of funny because this is the most unique year i ever remember in terms of quarterbacks being available in free agency and possibly trade usually there's one or two guys that you'd want on your team and this year there's like eight to ten that are out there and available so it's going to be real interesting to see and that's definitely the number one off-season issue to monitor with the Bears. Yeah uh, if, you, if you look kind of look ahead to free agency in the draft what are maybe some other areas you expect the team to kind of go after? Well one big thing and Ryan Pace talked about this being a position of need or an area of need that they want to address is the tight end position. The tight end position is very important in Matt Nagy's offense. Think about the other teams that run similar offenses in the NFL, the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, the Eagles uh, have a great tight end as well. And that's a position that came up big for them when they signed Trey Burton in 2018. Um, He set career highs in all receiving categories and was really a key part of the offense. Last year, he had an injury that bothered him all year. He ended up having surgery. He's going to come back hopefully better than ever. But tight end position is definitely a position that Ryan Pace said that they want to address this offseason. And they already have, uh, they signed Demetrius Harris, who played in Kansas City with Nagy. He's uh, never played college football, but he's a 6'7", 
the 240-pound tight end, I want to say, played basketball in college, you would think automatically he's a receiving tight end, but he's actually more of a blocking tight end. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in, but there's a whole bunch of other ones that they need depth, you know, cornerback, offensive line, wide receiver, um, couldn't need a safety depending on whether HaHa Clinton Dix comes back. So there's a whole bunch of things, but I would say tight end would be at the top of the list. So the, the, the combine is, is sort of viewed as, you know, the first big event of the offseason, you know, followed by free agency in the draft, you know, and you mentioned kind of filling needs on depth, you know, the Bears do not have a first round pick. I think their first two picks in the draft are, are 43 and 50. How, how does not having a first round pick kind of, you know, change their approach heading into the draft? You know, it really doesn't change their approach because they're scouting and they're vetting and they're talking to all these guys. Um, who knows who's going to drop? You know, you never know who's going to be there on the board. 2006, back in the day after the Bears went to the Super Bowl, they had the 31st pick. And I remember Greg Olson was the guy that they had talked to, a tight, the tight end that everybody knows now. No one really had any inkling that he would be there at 31, but they did their due diligence and he actually dropped. I mean, he was supposed to be a top 15 pick. That's just one example. So they're really not taking a different approach at all. And again, these are guys that could be free agents in four years too. So they want to know as much as they can about these guys. So they're not really changing their approach. And they really didn't last year either. And we didn't have a first or second round pick last year. This year, like you said, we have two second round picks, probably eight total. So there's enough ammunition there, hopefully, to improve the roster. Larry, we definitely appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. No problem. We'll see you guys twice this season again. Thanks to Larry Mayer for joining the program. Like I said, he's been around that team for a long time. I love the reference of um, the Bears getting Greg Olson with the 31st pick in 2006. That I think he was trying to show you that he's been around a little while over there. He's been around. I was in high school in 2006, so yeah. <laughs> I don't want to tell you where I was in 2006. The last takeaway I had from the Chicago Bears was the amount of injuries they had on their defense. Like You don't realize that until you hear a guy who's close to the organization talk about the all the injuries they had last season. Yeah, I think it was kind of a perfect storm in the in a bad way for the Bears. You know, their offense wasn't what they thought it would be. They didn't kind of take that step forward. And the, the their defense was so good in 2018. It was kind of hard to see them replicating that last year in 2019. And then when you get hit with injuries, you know, you're just not going to be at the same standard. And that's that's probably the biggest reason why they went from 12 and 4 to 8 and 8 and missed the playoffs. Moving forward to the bottom of the NFC North, and that has been the the Detroit Lions for a decent amount of years. Um, they are pretty much the New England Patriots uh, partnership of general manager and head coach and Matt Patricia and, pa- and Bob Quinn. So um, you thought that they were going to make a, a little bit of a turnaround when they had that big offseason, signing Trey Flowers as a pass rusher, um, ha- signing Snacks Harrison in the middle of their uh, defensive line. He's no longer there. So um, there are a lot of storylines for this team heading into the season, including the fact that they have the third overall uh, pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, I think with the Lions, I mean, the first month of the 2019 season, you thought they were going to be contenders. You know, they thought you thought they were going to be in the in the thick of it for the for the NFC North race. I mean, they were two zero and one. They they were leading the Chiefs in the in the at home in the in the fourth quarter. They lost that game. Uh, you know, they I think they had a lead in the fourth quarter, and I think it was the first eleven or twelve games of the season, and you know, didn't win most of those games. They started two zero and one. They finished three twelve and one. That that's not a good final three quarters of the season. And yeah, I think the biggest thing from our chat with Tory Petrie of the Lions was that the Lions need to upgrade their defense. And 
it sounds like they're going to pour a lot of resources into that defense in this offseason, starting with that number three pick. And they can kind of go a lot of directions. They can go cornerback. They can go linebacker. They can go defensive line. Like you said, Max Harrison is no longer there. So I think they're going to be a very intriguing team to watch here over the next couple months. Yeah, it's crazy the things that can happen with that third overall pick because they could go quarterback. They could go all around, um, even to the defensive side of the ball, as you just uh, noted. But um, the biggest takeaway I took was at the beginning of the interview when you asked Tori about Bob Quinn's press conference, and he kind of discussed um, – all these rumors, similar to our rumors on Stefan Diggs, they've had rumors about trading their quarterback, Matt Stafford. So let's listen to that. You know, coaches and general managers talked earlier this week, and, you know, that includes Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia with the Lions. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Bob Quinn, you know, obviously the general manager of the Lions. What would your biggest takeaway from his podium session here in Indy? Well, he talked at the podium and he also talked kind of off to the side as well. And once again, reiterated that the rumor about them trading Matthew Stafford was 100% false. He included two exclamation points the first time. He said he'd add a third exclamation point if he, if he could because it was just that adamant that that was not the case. Um, he did say that you know they are considering all options with Darius Slay, so we'll see what ends up happening there, whether they keep him around, whether they let him play out the last year of his contract, whether they trade him. So um, a lot of question marks there with Darius Slay, uh, but then he also said that Matthew Stafford is supposed to be full go when players return in April, uh, which is great to hear considering he dealt with those injuries last year. Uh, He talked a little bit about the different uh, groups in the draft that are deeper this year. He talked about the wide receiver group and how that's such a a deep group in this year's draft. So it's nice to hear that perspective from somebody who this is what they do for a living. They analyze draft prospects. And so when he's telling you that that wide receiver group is a really deep one, it must be. Yeah, I think that's what I've heard around here from most experts and coaches and GM that if, if they had to pick one position group that stands out as far as the depth, it's, it's certainly wide receiver. Um, with, with Matt Patricia, um, you know, he's uh, entering year three with the Lions. What, what was his kind of talking point up, up at the podium? Uh, you know, I was just kind of talking about what it's like to come to the combine when you have the number three pick, how obviously you don't want to finish the season <laughs> where you're in a place where you end up with the number three pick. Uh, but the Lions do have the highest pick in the division now. So uh, that's something to think about. But, you know, you have the number three pick, so you pretty much have everything on the table. You get to analyze every draft prospect and you have your pick of anybody uh, for the most part. So I think that that is an aspect of, of what makes this week interesting uh, for them. So I think that they're, you know, trying to figure out how this new schedule will be what with, you know, players working out on Thursday evening. And then, you know, that's kind of the first time we see players on the field and it'll be in prime time rather than in the mornings. And then they have interviews in the mornings instead. So it just totally switches up the schedule for them. Um, so he talked about that as well and how it will affect them this week. It's obviously mock draft season, you know, everyone's favorite time of year. You know, and you said the Lions obviously have the number three pick. I think the word I've heard most associated with them is flexibility. You know, they can kind of go in a lot of different directions. Uh, is that kind of the buzzword you, you, you've heard too and would kind of agree with? Yeah, nothing is off the table. So, you know, could they go with a quarterback? Maybe. Could they go with Jeff Okuda at corner? Maybe. Could they trade it? Everything is, is open to them at this point. So I think that um, a trade is a very likely scenario because they – 
need a lot of different players in order to make this team better. They have a lot of different needs. So if you can stack up picks in this draft, I think that helps you a lot, especially because there's so much pressure to find some success this coming year after the last two years that they have had. Uh, so I think that they do want to have some players who can make immediate impacts. I think that's really important in this draft is to find players who can make immediate impacts. And, you know, if you can stack up a bunch of those, that's great. But it all depends on if you can find takers who will give you what you want for the draft picks that you have you don't want to just give them up for nothing so it just depends on the other teams and if you can find takers for those things but um, I think at the top of the draft uh, days one and two I think defensive playmakers are going to be their priority you, you you mentioned the last two years under Patricia and I know last year might have been especially frustrating you know you started 2-0-1 and finished 3-12-1 uh, I know Stafford's injury was probably a big part of that he missed the second half of the year um, you guys had a lot of fourth quarter leads that you couldn't hold. It seemed like every week we were looking around, you guys had the lead and, and couldn't hold it. Um, what's sort of the mindset in the building entering year three under Patricia and kind of trying to get over the hump a little bit and to take that next step? Yeah, thank you for those reminders there. It's lovely memories of 2019, but hey, it's the division, so I get it. Um, you know, yeah, 2019 was such a disappointment for this team. You know, you came in, you really thought your defensive line was going to be so strong. You brought in Mike Daniels, you had Snacks Harrison, you signed Trey Flowers in the offseason, so you thought, okay, this defensive line is going to be amazing. And they struggled with injuries through training camp. They never got to really practice altogether, and then they struggled with injuries throughout the season, and it, there was just not consistency, and so the defensive line didn't live up to what we thought it could be. Uh Offensively, They played really well to start the season. Matthew Stafford's playing at an all-pro level, and then he gets injured, and that just really derails everything. And, and the offense didn't do a terrible job after he got injured. They were competent enough, and I think Daryl Bevel did a good job of adjusting uh, with the quarterbacks that came in after him with Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, but it just wasn't sustainable to be able to put the uh, weight of a win on the quarterback's back when you are playing with guys who don't have as much experience as Matthew Stafford. It's one thing to ask Matthew Stafford to put the team on his back and, and go out there and win, which he has done for a lot of his time at the Lions. Uh, but, you know, when you have guys step in there, it, it's a tough ask. So I think there were a lot of things that went wrong last year. Injuries were a big part of them. Um, but you can't blame it all on injuries. You know, good teams figure out ways to overcome injuries because everybody has them. And so I think that that is the thing. This coming year, you need depth to be able to overcome injuries, but you also need to be able to keep guys healthy and improve. You need to have a better defense because that was really their weakness last year. You mentioned the defensive line and how they were kind of had some ups and downs. Uh, it's obviously going to be a little bit of a different look. Uh, you guys announced earlier this week that you did release uh, Snack Harrison. What was sort of Quinn and Patricia's reasoning behind that well it kind of sounded like uh from you know what snacks said on social media and from what those guys said at the podium this week that it was a bit of a, a mutual decision where they just kind of decided that they were heading in different directions snacks had a bit of a down year this last year uh, when he was with the lions the year before he was incredible he just plugged up that middle uh, he was gr a great run stopper and he was just uh, such an integral part of that defensive line which is why there were such high expectations for him in 2019 but i think he is kind of into the later years of his career and I think he would agree with that because even at the end of the 2019 season he was in the locker room getting emotional saying he might retire this offseason uh, but now I don't think that that is the case I think he still wants to play if he can find a taker uh, but I think he would agree that he's kind of entering the later years of his career and figuring out what that looks like and and how to navigate that and the Lions were just looking uh, for something a little bit different there so I think that they might address the interior of that line in the draft. 
I was going to say, is, is that a position of need in the draft or free agency? And, and what other positions could, could you kind of maybe see the Lions going over the next couple months? Well, pretty much everything on defense. I could see them going anywhere there. I mean, they need edge rushers and they need guys on the interior. Uh, they need a corner to, to play opposite Darius Slay. Whether Darius leaves or stays here, they need more guys at cornerback. So, um, you know, those are some of the big ones on defense. Uh, offensively, maybe you do take a quarterback to get someone to develop under Matthew Stafford now. Are they going to take Tua at three? I'm skeptical of that. I don't really see that being the case because, like I said, I think the priority here is immediate impact players, and Tua is not an immediate impact player. Tua is someone that you're taking to develop and and make him better uh, for the future. Now, could another team do that and then have the next Patrick Mahomes in terms of like how you know he developed for a little bit under Alex Smith and then kind of became the guy that he is now? Maybe another team gets that, but I just don't think for where the lines are at right now that that is what they are considering. I could be totally wrong because when draft day comes, anything can happen. But I do think that they probably do take at least a quarterback in this draft to kind of try and find somebody who, if Stafford does get injured like he did this last year, you're not scrambling like you were. Uh, The Lions had something like 12 or 13 backup quarterbacks on their roster for the course of the 2019 year. Like different guys in the spring practices and then different guys in training camp and then different guys once the season started. It it was just a revolving door at backup quarterback and that's not good when your starting quarterback gets injured and you've got to rely on those guys for the second half of the season. So you need consistency there. I think they look for somebody. Yeah, you uh, had one of our former quarterbacks too, I think in Kyle Schloter, though he just, you know, bounced around the division there. Um, You know, enough with the injuries and negatives. Who, who, uh, let's look at some positives here. Who are some uh, some key players, young players maybe that the Lions are, are looking to build around for the future? Well, I think Kenny Galladay is somebody that they're going to look at extending uh, because he has just become an all-around number one wide receiver. He had a fantastic year in 2019, and that's been consistent from him. He's been good ever since his rookie year. He is a really good wide receiver. The Lions really like what they have in him. So, you know, his his contract is coming up here, so I think they try uh, to extend him, not this coming year, but it might be something where they get a deal done ahead of time because they like him and want to keep him around. So I think that's a guy that they want want to build around if they can get a deal done with him. Uh, You know, I think Stafford is their guy still, so you want to have an offense around him that works. You want to have a run game. But we did see some good stuff from Kerryon Johnson and Bo Scarborough when Kerryon was healthy, when they were both in there at the very end of the season when Kerryon came off of IR. They both looked really good together, and it looked like a good running back duo if they can just stay healthy. So I think those are some guys uh, that they like as well. And then, you know, you flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Tracy Walker stepped into that safety position after after they traded Quandre Diggs away. And I think that that was really important that, that Tracy Walker kind of stepped up and, and was a really good player at safety when you let go of a guy like Quandre Diggs. Um, so I think they have big hopes for him. Will Harris as well was a safety they drafted last year. Uh, he kind of got in there, you know, it, it's tough as a rookie, but he got a lot of good experience, um, played well. And so I think they're going to rely on him a lot at the safety position too. Um, you know, you just got to keep those guys healthy because Tracy Walker did spend uh, a bit of the year injured too. So I think that, you know, they, they like their safety group because that's why they were okay with letting Quandre Diggs go. Um, and then you have some good pieces on offense and, and things seem to be clicking well under Daryl Bevel. All right, yeah, the, the NFC North is always a fascinating division. You know, it seems like every year there's two or three teams kind of jostling there for the top. We'll see how 2020 goes. You know, you, you can never really predict what's going to happen in the division. Uh, but, Tori, we definitely appreciate your time, and, and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure.
Well, thanks to Tori Petrie from the Detroit Lions. She has always been kind to us and joins us at every event to talk about the Lions. There's been a lot to talk about with that organization. Like I said, I mean, they have a lot of decisions heading into this offseason, whether it's in the free agent pool with Darius Slay at cornerback, as well as the third overall pick. But yeah, it was awesome to hear. You're, you're so into what the Vikings are doing this offseason that you, you hear from some of these other teams and you don't realize that the Packers have a free agent at right tackle and Brian Balaga who's been there forever. So what's your like just your biggest takeaway from all three teams um, kind of as a whole uh, bringing it all together heading into the new season? Yeah, I think you touched on it earlier is the parity. You know, I mean, there's been a different NFC North winner the last three years. Rarely has there been a repeat winner you know the Vikings haven't haven't won back-to-back titles in a while you know and I I just think you just never know in this division you don't I mean who who would have thought the Bears would have done so well in 2018 you know it seems like the Vikings surprised people every other year you know the Packers su- probably surprised people last year if the Lions can ever get it together and, and take the step that people would probably expect them to they can be contenders and, yeah, I mean, it's not like the, the AFC East here where, you know, just New England dominated for 20 years or the AFC West where the Chiefs, I think, have won four straight titles. Yep. You know, it's just it's up in the air, you know, and you can you hope and you plan. But I'm never surprised when it's a different team each year. That's just kind of how the, the nature of the NFC North has shaped up in the last five or ten years. Well, they call it the black and blue division for a reason. I mean, every time there's a free agent who comes into Minnesota, they they, they note the just how strong this division is and how the competition. I mean, when you go to Chicago, you have a tough time winning there no matter who's on that team. Same thing with Lambeau. And even Detroit's a tough place to play, so especially when we go there on Thanksgiving like every other year. But um, thank you, Eric. You did an awesome job of covering the combine for the Vikings. I really encourage you fans to go check out some of the written stuff that you did um, over there at the Combine. And, yeah, this was an awesome episode. Great idea from team reporter Eric Smith. And, yeah, thanks for joining us. No problem, man. Thanks for having me.